0: Buff Nation. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Big show today. Super excited uh, as we have RJ Young on here to join us. RJ, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I'm excited. It's a big week. It's basically been a beat that I have covered since September 2020, going back to Jackson State. And I saw what he was capable of in that spring 21 season, uh, 4-3, and right? Really competitive team. Had... Really great quarterback in Jalen Jones. Uh, Shadour was not yet playing. And then I got to see what they looked like in 21. And then in 22, the turning point for me was how they really beat up FAMU in the Orange Blossom Classic. Not a game that traditional college football fans hold dear, but it certainly got my attention because FAMU was such a great football team. And that game was really close the year prior. And then they go on the run that they did. They finished in the Celebration Bowl. We hadn't seen as much Travis Hunter, even though we haven't seen much of him this year, we didn't see that much of him playing wide receiver last year. And what he was able to do in the Celebration Bowl was a big deal. And then you just take a look at what Shador had been able to accomplish. One of three quarterbacks to go, 3,700 yards passing, 40 TDs and six INTs. Other two are C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. You take into account Prime's ability to get coaches to want to work for him, to want to coach for him, and then I knew he was going to aggressively attack the portal because he's using the same strategy that he used at Jackson State, you know, 40% grad transfer, 40% transfer, 20% high school, and he's got dudes that can absolutely play. Uh the offensive line, defensive line were going to be what they were, but knowing what this sport is about, being able to recruit and motivate and then you get a couple of coaches that know their X's and O's, yeah. It's not really difficult to to get behind prime at Colorado.
2: RJ you- about Shador, but... to be just the beginning for this team obviously two tough losses uh, what do you expect kind of down the pipeline from coach prime just given what you've seen at jackson state before
1: well people were asking me what's the ceiling for this team and i had said over and over again i'm not going to put a ceiling on a team that's undefeated let's see them take a loss before we start talking about what they may or may not be they just played the two best teams in the conference according to me right washington we'll see washington state we'll see but SC and Oregon, uh, what they were going to do against SC was going to be much more indicative of the kind of season they would have because that's the worst loss that Prime has taken as a head coach and frankly it's not a dude that's used to losing. So what they were able to show, particularly down 41-14, gave me uh, a better read of what they're capable of. They're going to feast offensively and they're going to have a hard time defending almost everybody. But if you get into a shootout with this team, they can beat you. So I'm putting it at 6-6, and but you could see him going 8-4, and certainly going bowling, which I know would be a tremendously big deal at Colorado this year. Uh, And, man, maybe they'll pull off some that we don't see coming. But right now, I feel pretty good about that. I feel pretty good about them getting toward a winning season at the end of the year, and I think that would be a tremendous win.
2: We just saw Shador go toe-to-toe with Caleb Williams last weekend. Where do you think Shador ranks You know, nationally among uh, all the quarterbacks, not just this quarterback class, but maybe next year's? Where could he go in the draft, do you believe?
1: The draft at all next year. As a matter of fact, I think Prime is telling no tales when he says that Shiloh and Shador aren't going anywhere because, A, you want to have those guys around because that's how he got into this. Remember, he started coaching football because his sons were playing football and he did not like the way the Wee coach was coaching his boys and said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And He's done this every step of the way. He became a head coach at Jackson State right as his son quarterback was getting to play the position. Now, in a, as far as evaluating him for the NFL, I leave that to NFL analysts, but the scouts and personnel that I talked to are saying, right now, it's it's fringe first round. You want to see some things from him that, frankly, he just didn't show against SC. Uh, checking a run, okay, might might be the move, but you got to go get seven, and the only way you're going to get seven is throwing the ball. You got to be able to thread the needle when people know that you're throwing the football. That's first round quarterback, right? He knows these things, but in as far as his ability to be on time, his ability to be accurate, to move the ball down the field, we're only beginning to see what that looks like, and that's what an offensive line has given up 26 sacks. He's still passing for 350 in three of these five games. So I, I'm right now uh, I'm saying the latter half of the first round because Jordan Love was picked by the Green Bay Packers in the first round he led the FBS in interceptions that year so it's not about whether he'll get drafted in the first round it's about what's the grade how do we evaluate him for an NFL team
0: as this team kind of goes through the season more and more kind of bumps and and different challenges have come across them but I'm curious how have your expectations for what this team's record are going is going to be changed from the beginning of the season to now?
1: I don't know that I have, honestly. Uh, I don't know that anybody's expectations save mine. Uh, I should say, nah, man, I saw them beating Texas Christian. I picked them, you know. <laughs> I ranked them in the preseason. I knew it was a good football team. I knew what their deficiencies were, and it was about can they play to the level that I know that they're capable And frankly. It's going to change up when Travis gets to be healthy again, We're looking at what after the bye week, probably next time we see that guy playing football. But getting Omarion Miller to step up the way that he did, getting a Cameron Sillman Craig, who's been an outstanding player at SWAC, all SWAC, played at Trinity, which uh, she getting those guys to show what they're capable of in these big games in front of these enormous national TV audiences. Only bodes well further down the road, especially when you get back home. Now, this game's on the road, but, I mean, I'm looking at it, and if Folsom is what it had been when they played, I don't know that my expectations are going to change. I think everybody else's are going to change again because you're seeing people kind of get off. They're moving to somebody else because back-to-back losses. But if they lose, I'll tell you what. I would be shocked if they don't have a winning season. Let's put it that way, right? Other than that, nothing surprises me.
2: Love it. RJ, uh, you know, this week we just spoke to Coach Prime earlier today. He gushed respect, really, for Kenny Dillingham. There was obviously mutual respect between him and Lincoln Riley last week. But before that, there was a lot of coaches coming out saying a lot of negative things, really, just hating on Coach Prime and the program. Uh, were you surprised at all to see this? Those coaches kind of react that way towards Coach and what he's doing.
1: I don't think I was surprised. Um, I also don't know that I see it as hate. Uh, I see it as Schools of thought, and we come from coaching trees all over. Dan Landing is a guy that comes from a coaching tree that has Nick Saban and Kirby Smart on it. Those guys don't want to talk about it. They want to be about it. That's how you're raised to coach, right? We don't talk about what we're good at. We talk about what we're bad at. We let other people tell us what we're good at. That's not what Prime does. That's not what Lincoln Riley does. That's not what Kenny Dillingham does. But to that point, Prime acts like a younger coach. You know, Lincoln Riley's just turning 40. Right. Kenny Dillingham is younger than I am. Dan Lanning is the outlier. He's 36 year old acting like a 66 year old. Right. But I think everybody does it differently. And however you motivate your team to win football games is going to work. I also think that Kenny Dillingham sees prime and sees success. Right. It's a guy that doesn't have any chance of going bowling before the season starts. He loses his best player, quarterback Jaden Rashada, and he's managing to get those dudes to fight. and. Each way you look at it, you're looking at Colorado going, they were awful last year. And what changed? He did. Prime did. And Dillingham can find some pleasure and some solace in, okay, me being lively, me being energetic, me being authentic in how I feel, that's going to work not just for our fans but for our team. And I think that's what you're going to have to do in this day and age, especially as kiddos are much more likely to see through you and to go somewhere else where they feel as if you're going to trust them and or care about them and kenny dillingham doing a great job of that not to say that dan landing isn't but different strokes for different folks
0: okay let's zoom out a little bit um what do you see being the you know end game for coach prime at colorado and, and how long do you think that he may be here
1: as long as he wants to be that's that's the short answer to that question end game is uh, prime didn't get into this to not win as a matter of fact, I think it's very important that folks understand he's kind of perfect for the sport that we have. And the reason I say that is he's one of the five greatest athletes to ever be born in this country, but his brand isn't winning. His brand is dominating. As a matter of fact, he'd tell you himself, hey, when he played baseball, you get Dion, right? Because hitting the baseball is really difficult and he played in the World Series, right? But In football, you got prime time, which is another way of saying he's in it to win championships. Now, first, you want to win your conference championship, but that's only because you got to win your conference championship in our sport to get to the national championship. But we also don't really respect undefeated teams. Think about that. We can have a G5 team go undefeated and they will not play for the national championship because, A, we don't think they're that good, or B, you're not dominating everybody you play. And that's where he wants to get to with Colorado and anywhere else he goes. It's not enough to win; you have to win going away. You have to leave no doubt. And I think that's what he's building toward. And as far as what he's going to do next, I mean, <laughs> he just got to Colorado. Number one, number two, he's only been coaching for a few years here. Can we can we step back, let the man cook? Can can we can we appreciate what's going on right now before we we start wondering where he's going to go?
0: For sure.
2: Um, one last thing I've got for you, RJ. I mean, you mentioned Omari and Miller. We saw Cormani McLean finally get on the field last week as well. We know Travis will be back next year. If you could kind of look into your crystal ball, say it's August and uh, the lead up to this 2024 season, how good do you think this team could be next year?
1: I would answer that by asking, how did they look against Utah? Because I think that game is really important, not just as a measuring stick for Colorado. But a measuring stick for future success. Utah is the two time defending Pac 12 champ, and they managed to get off to a four and one start without their starting quarterback, and they played in the last couple of Rose Bowls. That's also a program that, like Colorado, will be moving to the Big 12, which feels wide open as my Oklahoma Sooners and, and Texas Longhorns going to the SEC. So if you tell me that Colorado beats Utah by a couple of touchdowns, I'm not going to be the only person telling you Colorado's probably in a good place to win the big 12 next year, let alone put together the kind of season that everybody at Colorado has been craving. I believe it's been since 2016 had a 10 win season and that year, Mike McIntyre won coach of the year, right? We're already looking at prime as a very early candidate for coach of the year in a year where he doesn't actually win 10 games, which is phenomenal, but I'm really looking forward to that Utah game because I mean, it's a rivalry game to some, it hasn't played that way uh, recently, but, them both going to the Big 12 is going to be a lot of fun, BYU being over there. It's going to be a deeper league, if not as top heavy. I could easily see everybody else getting doing what I did this year, which is ranking them top 25, right? And then we'll see, right? We'll see how how good are they offensive, on the offensive line, defensive line. What do they do in the portal? Those things will come into play. But right now, let's see them finish the season. Let's see what they look against Utah.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know we're, we're all trying to uh, pound this drum here but we appreciate uh someone on the national perspective kind of seeing what's actually going on here and uh and talking about it so thank you
1: fellas i appreciate y'all y'all have a good day
2: thanks rj all
0: right there he is there he goes rj young awesome um <clears throat> Alyssa, is there any way to turn my headset down a little bit it's yeah. so loud me too <laughs> <laughs> so this one, right? oh that's so much better Oh, that's much okay. better for me. Much, much better. Hopefully, that doesn't change anything for you guys. Yeah, um, we are on a slightly different setup, as you guys can see. We're in a slightly different place today, uh, so bear with us. But uh, appreciate Alyssa for scrambling behind the scenes to make that work and also a huge shout out to RJ for joining us
2: massive shout out to RJ you all know he's been beating the drum for a minute uh but of course shout out to Alyssa always making sure that where we're we're going to where we need to be and in uh sounding good so appreciate you um shout out to our friends though at kind love guys kind love is one of the original dispensaries founded here in Colorado it's full seed to sale um, farm to table. They've got tons of great stuff, man. They got the turbo core line that I love. I'm a huge fan of. It's a little, looks like a toothpick. You can slip it into any joint blunt or cigarette to instantly infuse your smoking experience. Um, they've also got their get it while it's hot flower shelf. Eighths for 20 bucks out the door and ounces for hundred bucks out the door. Visit one of our stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DMVR and receive the DMVR exclusive discount. off all Kind Love flower pre-rolls and their Turbo Joint line. You can also visit their website at kindlove.com and use that code DMVR for online ordering and their full extensive menu. Shout out to those guys at Kind Love. And then MSU Denver. Uh, Turn your goals into greatness at MSU Denver. We've got a ton of people here at DMVR who went and got their degree from MSU Denver, and you guys can too. Uh, Enrollment is open for the spring 2024 semester. Be a game changer at MSU Denver. They got 90 plus majors, uh, 10 graduate programs and online courses. You can do in person or both actually. Learn more at msudenver.edu. <laughs> Shout out to DJ Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, that was really interesting from RJ. and I, <laughs> I really appreciate his time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask kind of some more big picture stuff just because we are so in the weeds mm-hmm. here, you know. And if someone asks me, how long is Coach Prime going to be here or what's the end game, you know, like yeah. I have my perspective. I'm going to say, oh, he's going to win a national championship here right. in Colorado. And and I'm going to say, hey, I think he could be here for a long time. I kind of wanted to get the national feeling just because it's it's a little different, right? Like I think that there's a ton of people polling for Coach Prime and rooting for Coach Prime that aren't necessarily Colorado fans. So they, right. they are going to have a different perspective uh, on – what this is going to look like in a few years. That's why I wanted to go national. But I agree with this point of, hey, let's just smell the flowers that are right in front of us and enjoy what's happening now 100%. Oh,
2: that's – I mean, I think that's what everyone kind of loses track of at this point. Like we're still only halfway through year one. Let's kind of enjoy the entire process as it unfolds really and stop looking at it as how long is he going to be here, when is he actually going to make his move or whatever. Um, So I love that he said that. Let's talk about today's press conferences, I guess. And let me
0: just add this. Yeah, go ahead. He, the bag is coming. Like
2: He yeah, he was asked today.
0: Oh, for sure. And it's going to come from Colorado, but it is going to come from every angle this off season. Um <clears throat> I think there was this idea uh, that, like, it was going to take him a little while to get it going, and, mm-hmm. you know, people would back off. But there are going to be teams trying to hire Coach Prime this year. I'm confident of it. For sure. Uh, and so that's why Colorado has to, you know, has to be prepared to make things, you know, to pay him what he deserves. yeah, uh, And I think that is going to happen immediately. Shelly asked, why is the topic of Coach Prime leaving constantly reviewed? Um, I think it's because people know how valuable he is. So they know that you know people other places are going to want him right uh and the other part of it, you know from Colorado fan perspective is the last time Colorado had a promising coach, he was gone after one year yeah uh and that of course ended up being Mel Tucker, and I don't think that the situation is going to be anything like that, but Colorado fans are constantly thinking about it it's in their head it's it's you know for lack of a better term p t s d for c u fans so I think it's it's um coming from different angles, but I don't think it's going to be that short lived here. Uh, and, and that's why I was interested in his uh, opinion on
2: it. I agree. Um, just today, I mean, Brett McMurphy had a tweet that came out, top 25 highest paid coaches in college football, and it was more than 25. There were a few ties in there. It must have been 27, 28. Coach Prime wasn't in there. So there's room definitely for CU to step up to the table. And then on the other hand, Coach Prime, I mean, he said it after the game on Saturday how much he loves coaching here. I know people are just going to say, oh, what else is he supposed to yeah, say, blah, blah, right.
0: blah. Coach speak
2: but it feels like he posted a picture on Instagram out of his office looking at Folsom Field with the Flatirons it just said home, home as the caption yep so that
0: warmed my heart I'm um, sure <laughs> yeah i mean i i truly truly believe he loves it here mm-hmm. um it's just and i don't you know this isn't about money for him right um it, it, you know if he needed money he could get it in a, in a plethora of different ways exactly um he certainly i think wants to be uh, compensated fairly for what he's bringing, and uh, don't we all? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not all about money for him. Uh, if it was all about money, he wouldn't have been here in the first place exactly. because there other schools that had mo- uh, you know a larger budget. Obviously, Colorado's budget has increased now, and – I think he's going to be compensated uh, much more fairly in a way that they, couldn't, they, they simply didn't have the money to do before.
2: Right. Uh, last thing I'll say and then we can move on. I mean, Coach Prime, even when it comes to coaching his players or even picking the school he wanted to go to this last December, it's always more than meets the surface with him. It's more than just the bag and winning football games. It's about, you know, the people he works around in the facility, the young men that he gets to coach and who he gets to bring in as coaches. So I do think that, like... There's a lot at play when it comes to him, and he's not just going to look at it as, I want my money and I want it now type of thing.
0: No, certainly not, certainly not. And, you know, we can move on from this yep. now because it was just a a more
2: uh, broad thought that I had during the interview. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we talked to Shador and to Coach Prime today. Shador was up first. Um, he was asked about the clock management stuff. Again, didn't really get too much insight – seems like he's kind of looking at it as a learning experience.
0: Yeah, and that's what he said. You know, he said uh, it's a learning experience, something I can learn from, um, and something that he kind of uh, – I think he's of two minds about it, and I'm of two minds about it myself. Um, you know, there's the part that he said after the game, Mm -hmm. which is, Hey, look, I'm trying to get us in the right place so that we can be successful and we can go down there and score a touchdown because if we don't, the game's over no matter what. Right. And I'm, I totally feel that too. Mm -hmm. Now I tweeted this out uh, and we haven't talked since the rewatch. I tweeted this out after the rewatch. It's a little harder to watch on TV than it was in the stadium. Yeah. And the reason is in in my opinion, one, you realize they got the ball six minutes left uh, and they took over four minutes off the clock so you know you'd like it's easy to say two minute drill when you have two minutes left on the clock when there's six minutes left on the clock you know you'd like to at least get it down to three right uh, maybe two and a half the other thing is you have gus and joel just losing their mind so if you're watching this at home you're losing your mind too right Right. it's like stressful because joel's like what are they doing here what what, what, another run what are they what are they doing like what's going on and gus is like i just don't get this and like It makes it a lot more stressful. So I actually understand a little more why the – I mean, my mentions the second the game ended were insane. Yes. Um, With people talking about that. So I kind of get it. And I think Shador looks at it a little more like, okay, maybe we needed to go into that drive with an exact number in our head of, okay, if we can score with 330 left on the clock, they can take 120 seconds off. That will give us a minute and 20 seconds left if – you know, we, uh, if they just run it each time, and it really probably would have boiled down to a minute at the end of it. Right. Well, so I think that's kind of what he said today is, hey, we just need to perfect and become a little more fluent in knowing exactly what we needed going into that drive. And I think his his approach was we need a touchdown, Mm -hmm. not we need a touchdown in three minutes and 30 seconds.
2: Yes. I mean, I think that was the right way to go about it. And same with you. Like when I was tweeting through the game, I was just like, all right, we just got to get through and get this touchdown. And people are freaking out about the time left. It's like, I don't, I don't know. You got to get the touchdown for anything to even matter after that, though. But in the end, they do run the ball five times on that drive. Yeah, uh,
0: and four of them are designed, and one's a QB scramble from Shador. So you don't really, you know, complain about that one. But four designed runs. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get why people right. are, were so kind of up in arms over it. Um, I just think it's a nuanced conversation that can't really be had on Twitter. Or any know. of the short form things like
2: yep. we just had. Yeah. Um. I guess just last thing on that too. You could see a lot just rewatching it. Shador is like. Talking to everyone on the offense, like, while they're all lined up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I think he was telling the truth last Saturday when he was like, I, it's me making checks basically trying to get the right look from what the defense has given us. And,
0: and, yeah, I mean, again, you know, when you're watching that and the clock sticking down, you're like, come on, come on, come yeah. on. But at the same time, what if he gets sacked? Right. You know, that's going to be way worse than him taking 10, 11 seconds up at the line trying to make sure everyone's on the same page yep. than just going – only taking five seconds off, you lose 10 yards and 30 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, he was asked what he learned from the last two weeks. Obviously, two tough losses. said, we're focused on this past week and focusing on the mistakes we made. We're now settled in with the offense and what's going on. We went through a real test together as a team with the system. Definitely seemed like it was kind of a acclimation period. Like, you have the, the spring and the summer and camp to really kind of, you know, learn the offense. But – it's different when you're in a game and learning in-game action.
0: Well, and just putting it into execution, you know, when uh, people uh, – I try to stay away from uh, phrases like this, but, like, when the bullets are live. Right. You know what I mean? Sorry for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's just different, and it yep. takes more timing, and there's little things you learn. Like, I'm, I'm watching that game, and I'm just seeing, like, next chess moves, and it's such a chess game, right? And so, like – Sean Lewis is going to see things on the film from this week that he can add to next week, so it never stops. But the more comfortable you get in the base offense, the more you can start adding things. Like one mm-hmm. thing I saw is the little um, flare kind of into the flat for Michael Harrison was working for about four to six yards for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, the last time they, they ran it, it got blown up at the line. So what, sh- what Sean Lewis will now do is say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to fake that it's going to look like it's going to Mikey in the flat, and then he's going to turn up and watch. You know, I I bet you that it's either this week or next week or one of these weeks coming up. There's going to have a little, like, wheel route out of it because everyone's crashing down because they know that that's been thrown to the flat. So, like, little things like that is part of the chess match of offense. Um, But, like I said, you have to get that first part down before you want to keep adding layers to it. For sure.
2: Um, The only other real thing I have from Shador is just, you know, the game is the game is what he said. There's no real difference between road and home games from him. Obviously, they're hitting the road this week going to ASU. I said every field is 100 yards. I mean, this guy's poise and, like, leadership and calmness just shines through constantly. And
0: that's one of the crazy parts about that last drive is, like, people are almost freaking out because he's too calm, mm-hmm. you know? But right. he, he can't be rattled. Like, he's so in the zone – that you don't you don't ever see him look frantic about mm-hmm. anything, nope. um, and the whole game, man. I just I always watch Shador after the play, especially when we're in the stadium. You know, yeah. it's a little hard for the one that we watched on TV, but I always watch him after the play. He never changes, mm-hmm. um, even on the touchdowns. He's not like ah like right. crazy fist pumps. You know, maybe he'll throw up the watch or or uh, you know something after. Yeah. The, but he is not like ever going crazy Mm -hmm. uh and when he's mad or whatever like i always look at him after like maybe it's like the second false start and i just expect him to like roll his eyes or throw his head back never he walks back five yards gets it and gets ready to go like he is so locked in so uh cool calm and collected at all times and that rubs off on the rest of the team like the rest of the team is going to absorb that from him and become that because uh when when your leader is that composed you have no other option but to be composed if your leader's in there you know uh, like anxious or nervous or anything
2: like that like everyone can feel that right for sure man uh, Coach Prime, well, first off, Shador was in the middle of his press conference. Then Coach Prime, like, stormed in the door. <laughs> I think he even said, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, gave Shador a little hug real quick then walked on the other side and just watched him.
0: <laughs> I thought he was going to sit down next to him for I thought a, so a, a hot too. second. I was like, oh, gosh, Shador's going to hate this.
2: <laughs> I thought he was going to, like, kick him off the mic or something, basically. Be like, mm. all right, you're done. Um, But Coach Prime comes up. You asked him about the love and the hate he receives. He had a great quote. He said, the hate comes along with the territory. The love has been tremendous. Just walking out there to a packed stadium, driving into the stadium myself and seeing all ethnicities and unity. I love It's tremendous. Yep. Uh, and, and
0: uh, you know, I've been thinking about that question for a while now that I wanted to ask him because it feels like every week he's being asked a question about the haters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he always has, you know, a good answer for, for that. But I felt like, there's, so, you know, whenever he talks about the haters, I get so many comments in my mentions or we see it on YouTube of people being like, coach, I know it feels like there's so much hate out there, but there is so much love. And I just wanted to see his perspective yep. on that. Um, also, it was perfect that he walks in and sits down and, you know, he points out that there's less people in the press yes. conference <laughs> and then he starts singing, it's a, f- uh,
2: it's a thin line between love and hate.
0: And yeah. I was like, oh, this, this leads perfectly into my question.
2: Um, it was perfect. I know a lot of you guys want to know about Travis. I'll get to him just in a minute um he said on omari miller we've got to get him the ball uh on cam simon craig just said i have coached him since high school he's a classy individual he's a good football player and a good person i'm so proud of him he's a dog he's a go-getter always wants to practice works his butt off just a great kid leads the pac-12 in interceptions now uh i was talking to someone last
0: night and i said if i was to buy a jersey of anyone on the team right now mm-hmm. it would be cam
2: a uh, friend of the show
0: yeah friend of the program uh, or program, as I like to say, yep. um, he is uh, a dog. He works so hard. He's so nice. Uh, he's just like a – I think Coach Prime explained it. Like he's like a 10 out of 10 example of someone that he wants playing for his program. And mm-hmm. I think fans uh, fans feel that way too. Uh, and also for me, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't get the stars jerseys mm-hmm. uh, or at least the top stars. Right. So I try to go like, you know, one, one layer underneath yep. it. So, so when someone sees you, they're like, oh, he gets it. Yep. You know ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: all right. Let's talk about it. Coach Prime gave an update on Travis. He said he's doing well. He was out at practice today, not playing, but coaching his butt off. He's one of the best coaches we have, he said. He said he's on Cormani's butt. it would be my dream and desire for him to be out until after the bye week. That gives him like three extra weeks. Yeah. <sighs> so tough man it's so tough and it's just one of those things
0: where it's like you can't you can't rush disagree it. with yeah. him <laughs> you know yeah. it's like he's right uh and it's so hard in the middle of a football season to see the big picture um but coach prime always does mm-hmm. and that is one of the many 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 reasons why um players parents trust them to come play for coach prime yep because he is always thinking about the bigger picture, about your life, about your career, about everything. And so um, it's, you know, one part of you wants to be like, oh, come on, like, let's just get him out there as soon as we can. But, the, the, you know, the, the logical side, which, you know, f- uh, sports fandom is rarely logical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the logical side of it says he's right. Yeah. You know? um, we've known for a little while now that going on a plane with this injury – um, can cause complications, right? Uh, which is a shame because he is one of the best coaches. Uh, then you have you know a home game against Stanford, which you can never say this as a coach, but that should be one that you don't need, Travis. Mm-hmm. And then you have the bye week. So if this week is out, which it clearly is, yep. then it starts to make sense to you, right? Yep. Um, the hard thing for me is just – you know, we're only we're only going to get somewhere between um, twenty. We're gonna we're only about to get twenty chances to watch Travis Hunter play, and so uh, in Boulder, uh,
2: so every time we lose one, it just hurts. Yep. Uh, also, the other thing with the Stanford game, it's a short week. Game is on Friday, so mm-hmm. I kind of figured back, you know, after CSU when it all went down, and he said three weeks. You know, you go and look at the schedule, and it's like, well. Three weeks would kind of put him on this short week. Like, I don't know. Obviously, Stanford isn't great right now, and you said it. They probably don't need him for that game. But, you know, that the bye week right there, the timing, I don't really blame him from doing it. It just sucks to see. Um, Coach Prime was asked again about Omari Miller and him getting on the field on Saturday. He said the thing that those young guys have going against them is you have a pro quarterback who's not going to tolerate foolishness, drops, all that stuff. You rarely see youngsters who are prominent with a poised quarterback. And then he mentioned that uh, he had a friend call him specifically to speak to Omari and Miller. And then he revealed that that friend was Snoop Dogg. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: Imagine, like, you're Omari on Miller and, and Coach Brown's like, hey, uh, phone's for you. It's Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Insane. A, a crazy world. and um a couple of things really quick just because we were, sure. I want to tie a bow on Trav. I made, you know, kind of one of those edits I've been making mm-hmm. on Twitter uh, from his show yesterday where he talked about um, coaching Cormani and Omarion. Yep. And, uh, you know, just it was so cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't really think Travis is one to like over exaggerate. Uh, and so he's telling you essentially that the two players who maybe played the most important roles in Colorado coming back in the game, he's talking to them after every yep. play or, a, you know, in between every snap. And it's like, man, this guy is – his value can't even be measured. No. He's the the best offensive player on the team, arguably, with Shador. You know, it's tough with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Certainly the best defensive player on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you know he's number one or number two on the team in terms of football IQ. Yeah, uh, he's coaching up these guys in terms of like leadership. He's he's one or two. It's like this guy, I is
2: he's a, a perfect player. Yeah, and he's like an amazing person. Just the way he treated Henry Blackburn, how yeah. he's just treated this whole situation being off the field. Um, it's pretty special, man. He was asked about Travis coaching up Cormani and Omari, and on the sideline, uh, Coach Prime was today.
0: He was asked if that, if he instructed Travis yes. to do that, which I knew the answer to that.
2: Well, he said Travis is a dog. You don't, <laughs> you don't got to tell dogs what to do, basically. Yep. Then he said Travis just took it upon himself. I'm loving what I'm seeing, man. When Cormani gets his thing together, come on, man, it's going to be something to behold in the secondary.
0: Yep, I mean, it's true. It really is. It's true, and and I already saw it, like that was one of my big takeaways from the wa- from the rewatches. Cormani was like damn near flawless. Yeah. I mean, he gives up the one catch on a comeback route to Brennan Rice. Mm-hmm. That's the only catch he allows in the entire game. Um, his other targets are a uh, a pass break up in the end zone mm-hmm. which was like textbook. Yep. Uh, and then he's in sticky coverage down the sideline when they try to go long on him. Yep. And then if you watch the rest of the game, he is On the line of scrimmage, press man in these guys' face. Arguably the best wide receiver room in the country. Mm -hmm. And he's just all over them. Like, no fear. Put me in press man, let's go. And just, like, locked it down. To me, uh, it was underrated. Like, this – like, uh, of course Omarion Miller deserves all of his flowers this week and he's getting them, you know. Yeah. I th- I loved his reactions in the videos of him being like, everywhere I look I just see myself. It's yep. crazy. <laughs> um, but, like, Cormani was remarkable. He was so good and so fearless and went in there after, you know, what I assume was a, a you know, a rude awakening after what Coach Prime sure. said in the presser and just, like, bawled. Um, so – you know, we talked about this in the post game show. I hope that kind of kicks him into gear in, in those regards. But at the same time, like the dude's got to play. Yep, uh, has to. And, and and I wouldn't be I I would be surprised if he doesn't start this week.
2: Yep. Um, I was able to ask Coach Prime about Kenny Dillingham and ASU. We've got mutual respect again this week. Let's go, We're thankfully. Back. Uh, Coach Dillingham spoke yesterday. He just had nothing but praise. He talked about recruiting Shador when he was at Auburn. Um, and just how he's developed from being that 17-year-old kid. He literally said he's just an older version of that 17-year-old kid. All this stuff that we're seeing now, he saw back then. So Coach Prime on Kenny Dillingham and ASU said, I was assembling a staff at one point in time, and he was a part of it. I know he's that guy. When I saw him get this opportunity, I was ecstatic. He's great for college football. They're building something that's going to be tremendous. You can't take that man lightly. I believe in uh, Coach Dillingham tremendously. And then just spoke about the film that he's seen from ASU, said they fight hard. Um, Nothing but respect, though. Love it, finally. Yeah, it's
0: great. Uh, And, uh, you know, we'll be down in Arizona. Yes, sir. um, Friday morning, so it'll be fun to go uh, link up with our PHNX guys, talk to them a little bit about maybe creating some content on Friday afternoon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, But... uh, it, it's uh, it's funny. It's funny
2: just the the mutual respect there, just because yep. you know it's been a little bit of a rivalry I know. Uh, online. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. He was asked about just this weekend's game, and it's already receiving less attention than the previous few weeks. Obviously, you just played Oregon and USC, now you go down to ASU. He said, "We could care less. We're going to be on somebody's television. I promise you that. Doesn't matter if we're on a national stage or not. We are national." The challenge and the goal this week is to win that first and second quarter, basically get off to a hot start. Shador kind of talked about that too when he was up on the podium also. Yep. Um,
0: yeah, I made a joke about this last night about being on the Pac-12 network. A lot of people took me seriously. I wasn't being serious. <laughs> um, if you want to watch uh, Colorado this week, you got you can go to fubo.tv slash DNVR, get 15% off your first month from Fubo. That's just a little plug there. Um, and then add the Pac-12 network to your, to, uh, your package at Fubo. It's a, uh, it is a little different though. Like, for example, Dwayne Wade isn't going to be able to just pull this up the way right. that he did. Like, right. when he said, "I got off the plane and I watched TV on my phone for the first time ever." Yep. Or whatever. Like, that's not going to be happening this week. So you got uh, to actually, you got to have, you're going to have to work for it a little bit if you want to watch this week.
2: Um, just some injury updates on Savion Washington first. Um, he said he'll be back this year, just not this week. The young man played his butt off. He was in tears on the sideline because he couldn't go back in. He's one of the kids that has a special place in my heart because he really wants it. And then on Shiloh, he said Shiloh's doing great. He's back on practice. He's back getting on my nerves. (laughs) That's how you know he's back. (laughs) Exactly. All right, uh, that's pretty much it from today's press conference. Not many people in there today, at least compared to normal on Tuesdays.
0: Yeah, Coach Prime – Uh, a noticer of all the little things. It was the first thing he noticed, and he made a comment on the way out. He said, uh, when people come back here next week, just make sure you tell them, are you new? Yeah. (laughs) Can't wait.
2: Uh, Shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I don't think we have a beer of the month yet. We're still going through the decision, but uh, Broncos Country Pale Ale, I guess guess so, (laughs) is uh, what we've been crushing out here. Of course, the Broncos are in season. They got to win on Sunday, or Sunday, finally. Um, Mixed emotions on that one though But Breckenridge Brewery has been doing it for 33 years It all comes down to a love and passion for making good beer Try out some of our favorites here at the DMVR bar Already mentioned the Broncos Country Pale Ale They got the Mile High City Golden, Mountain Beach Sour, Strawberry Sky Uh, Check out their beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Breck brew near you And then shout out to Backus and Shanker If you get hurt, they are here to help They've been helping Colorado families win (laughs) for 25 plus years no fees to speak with them about your case. No fees while they work on your case, and no fees unless they win your case and win money for you. Uh, they help with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault: car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks, even if you're hurt at work. If you need the sue, smash the two. two, two 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 to find out if you have a case for free. Bacchus and Shanker wins. From uh, Yo Creo, I believe.
0: Uh, they're thinking even further down the road than I am. History repeats itself. I can think. I can see Travis Hunter come back. <laughs> to see you and become their head coach (laughs) i love that we're gonna have to uh make sure that during his time here he he is put on to all of the good fishing spots Mm -hmm. um because i saw on his um on his live yesterday he was saying like what are his favorite fish to fish for Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the ones he said was peacock bass and he was like you can't fish for those here but he did also say largemouth bass which you can fish for here but um I'm actually hoping to be able to impart some knowledge upon uh uh Travis and coach Prime when it comes to some some fishing spots that
2: are a little more off the beaten path. Uh it's going to be a f- less chaotic off season, yep. slightly, but uh I'm hoping we have the opportunity to actually speak to them and uh yeah, fill them in on everything. All right. Uh we watched the film yesterday. We'll kind of use this as a transition into talking about ASU as well. What were your main takeaways when you watched? Uh, first
0: takeaway I had is that we should have mentioned Reggie Young on the post game. Yeah, so He yeah. was honestly spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, came in and at no point did anyone say to themselves, who is in at right tackle? What just happened? You know, like he came in and almost flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he was – ever mentioned on the broadcast?
2: I didn't know until you told me up in the press box. You're like, where's yeah. Savion? And I was like, I don't know. Where is he? And I spent like five minutes looking for him down there with the binoculars. I found him with ice on his ankle.
0: Yeah, it was almost just one of those things where I looked out at the offensive line and I was like, 70? That doesn't seem like a number I've seen so far this year. Who is mm-hmm. 70? And then I saw him break the huddle and go line up at right tackle. So I was like, where's Savion? Yeah. Um, he Like, seamless. Yep. In fact, you know, I'd have to get to all 22 and just lock in on him. Like, he might have been better because, like I said, there was no play where I thought, oh, man, right right side really uh, let him down there.
2: Yep. Uh, look, this is a guy – we talked a lot about him when he came in here. He transferred in in May. Uh, I don't have the complete story knocked down, but I think he lived in New Orleans as a kid. His family was forced to move because of Hurricane Katrina – And then he was kind of, you know, moving around, playing football all throughout high school, got an opportunity to move back to Louisiana, I think, for community college, and then got an offer to Liberty, ended up playing there. I think he played tackle out there, Um, had a decent year two years ago, and then last year played in like seven games. Then he just comes in to Colorado and just fits in seamlessly to the starting offensive line. Dude is a bona fide power five offensive lineman.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they went and ran the ball really well in the second half, like... Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about what Reggie Young brought to the right side of the line. Um, I mentioned that Cormani was even better on rewatch. Here's the other one, Uh, and we talked a little bit about him already, but I just want to talk about Cam for a second. Mm -hmm. Because um, he has this thing about him where I was talking to a friend last night, and I won't put them on blast, but they said, I don't know if Cam is good per se, but he plays really, really hard and makes big plays. (laughs) And all I responded is, that means he's good. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know what we're talking about here. He's a little undersized, and I think that's where we're getting that from. Like, yeah. Um, but he's making plays in coverage. You know, that interception that he had on Caleb is awesome when you get mm-hmm. to see the back view because he goes and covers one route, realizes, okay, that route's out of the picture, yep. peels off that, goes back and makes that play. Like, that is a big Time play, mm-hmm. um, big time coverage play. Then he's got the pass breakup on the most important third down of the game uh, for the defense. Uh, he leads the the country. He leads the conference in interceptions. Like
2: he's just really good. Yeah, we don't have to put put any qualifiers around that. Um, I guess my big takeaway, man, is just going back and watching it. Just how uh, we've already kind of talked about this, but how control in control Shador was. Like when you watch it, he's not. It's different than like the TCU game or the CSU game, even where it's just like big completions down the field, you know, and that's really what kind of determined his stat line for the day. He was just surgical. Yeah. Just even on screens and stuff, there's a screen towards the end of the game where it's like Jimmy's waiting for it and Shador kind of pumps and lets like the offensive lineman Get and the, there, yeah, yeah kind of clear out that lane, the throwing lane, still gets it out there to Jimmy and it still goes for like five yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was like nine actually. He's just amazing, man. Um, I guess I should mention too, if you guys haven't watched, but Miles Slusher was back at practice as well. Yep. So
0: And and I think Coach Prime said like if there's a miracle or something he can play, like yeah he, didn't, he said it was kind of up in the air. Um <clears throat> yeah, I mean the combination of Shador and Sean Lewis in the second half was beautiful. Yep. Um they scored touchdowns on four of their last five drives. And this one just killed me because I remembered it, and I was thinking about it after the game and then rewatching it. It was just painful. It should have been five out of five, mm-hmm. and we're talking about overtime. Um, there's the drive. Where we talked about uh, Omarion, and he makes the turn up the sideline, and he gets grabbed by the ankle. Like, that right. just happens, right? Um, and then a couple plays later, yep. it's a beautiful play-action fake, and you've got uh, Zay Weaver on a corner route on the right side, single coverage. Perfect throw from Shador on the run uh, and he just catches it and starts to turn up field and good play by the DB reaches in and knocks it out. And it's like, man, if either one of those, if, if Omarion steps out of that and goes to the crib, or if Zay is able to just catch that ball, move the chains on, uh, I think it was actually second down, but they didn't end up getting the third down, mm-hmm. move the chains. And now like they would have been at the 25-ish yard line going in, like yep. the way that Sean Lewis and and... Uh, Shador were in lockstep in that moment. Like, they're going and scoring that touchdown. And so, that that was painful for me. But, you know, Sean Lewis has has taken a lot of heat, um, and he's even taking heat for what Shador said was his fault. And, you know, usually you know. That, that's just a quarterback being a quarterback. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But he was dialing it up mm-hmm. for really the last 22 minutes of the game. Uh, it was almost – like, just one thing after another, bang, 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 good play call, good play call, good play call, uh, one after another, and, I, and it was so uh, just fun to watch. And I and that one drop, or if you want to call it a pass breakup, I think it's probably m- more fair to call it a pass breakup, just... Stops us from talking about okay, they score with nine minutes left to make it yep. a one score game. Yep, then if they get that same stop that they got after turning it over on downs, oh, yeah, so it was third down, then they had to get the fourth down. Mm-hmm. They, if they get that, that stop after turning it over on downs just after a kickoff, now that drive, that six minute dr- or that five minute drive that they take to, to make it a one score game is to tie the game. Yep, and I almost was like getting away ahead of myself thinking maybe, maybe if they got that, they would have just gone for two with, the, with right. how good Shador is playing, just like.
2: Let him make one more great play and win the game. Sure. Uh, I guess we can kind of use this as a transition to ASU if you want. But uh, Sheila Stoutmeyer, Carter's mom, posted yesterday that he's going to play this week. He seems like he's on the mend. Um, But just offensive line. I said this in the postgame, man. And Tyler Brown said it uh, two Saturdays ago when we were watching the game. Running the ball is the mentality. And it seems like they've kind of recaptured that mentality And they just—they're playing with that confidence, that swagger that they had in week one, week two. You know, like week three got a little scary. You went down early to CSU. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had to have that comeback. Obviously, week four was tough against Oregon. But I feel like this team really found their stride at the end of, in the second half against USC. And ASU better watch out because I think this team is getting healthier. They are still quite banged up, but just you're seeing these freshmen come out on the field now. Like this team is just starting to pick up. I think.
0: Yeah. And shout out to Anthony Hankerson for um, really having a great game running the ball, and I think that just unlocked so much. Um, we we really got to see like, like I said, that the last five possessions mm-hmm. are like this offense. May, I don't want I don't need to say at its best, but certainly the best we've seen it so far. Yeah. And like you said, there was kind of a little lull there. So, you know, um, there was a commenter last week who mentioned 40-40, 40 40 runs, 40 passes. (laughs) You pulled the stat today. It was 45-45. Crazy. Uh, And I'm sure some people would like five of those runs to come off and make it 50-40. But that was balanced. That was keeping the defense uh, on their heels. It was making them guess. It was hitting them with play action. Um, Like I mentioned, that Zay catch or the Zay almost catch, um, mm-hmm. Is a play action where you get the safety out of the picture. You run the corner out. Like, it was just so
2: nice to see them um, kind of clicking on all cylinders. Um, just a few things on ASU. It seems like Trenton Bourget is going to be the starter again. He was the starter last year when they played them. He started last weekend as well. Obviously, Rashada was the opening day starter. He gets hurt. Drew Prine came in, I think, two weeks ago. He actually played pretty well. I don't know if, what's exactly going on there. Um for those of you who were around here last year, Jordan Tyson's not expected to play. He has been practicing, but it sounds like he's not going to be able to. He has to been practicing. That's what uh, Totri told me. Nice. Good for him. He said it's been kind of off and on, though. so Okay. Um, we'll see. I but, know um, he had a
0: lot of complications with that injury. so Yeah. Uh, might be one of those things where it swells or on him or mm-hmm. something like that. But always wishing the best for Jordan.
2: Yep. Uh, Elijah Badger is a beast on the outside. That's a guy who could give them problems, but, you know, with Cormani and potentially Carter coming back, I do, like, see you's odds there. Um, I have to say, genius idea from David in the comments.
0: Travis and his girl can just drive to the game.
2: That is true. <laughs> <It's not laughs> That's very true.
0: It's a 13-hour drive. Uh, it's actually pretty beautiful through Southern oh yeah. Colorado, New Mexico, and Northern Arizona. Um, so there you go. We,
2: we need Coach Trav. Yep. Uh, but it sounds like the guy that we're, we really have to worry about, Ryan, is Scatabo, the mm-hmm. running back. This guy was their leading receiver last week, was their leading rusher. He even threw a pass. Uh, and then the game against USC two weekends ago, he was basically the reason why we're, they were in that game as late as they were.
0: Yeah, he might have been their leading receiver in that one, mm-hmm. leading rusher, threw a pass, and kicked a punt in that game. Yep um he's like a modern day wizard white uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah you gotta you gotta keep an eye out for him um it's gonna be a big challenge for the front seven mm-hmm. This is the biggest back they 've had to face for sure yep. or at least toughest um i think also biggest uh you know he is a bruiser like he wants to go th- go out there and just run through you, and they haven't uh faced a running back really like that so far, so uh it's gonna be a challenge for them but it's kind of one of those things like he's the head of the snake. Yep. You know, you cut off the head of the snake and the and the body goes too. So um it's a it's a challenge but at the same time they're a bit one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And they do have some good players on the outside but at least in the games that I've watched they're not doing a great job of letting those guys eat um, I guess also got to watch out for Jalen Conyers, Yes, uh, friend of the program.
2: Well, he had his breakout game against CU last year. Yeah. Three touchdowns, like I think 160 yards was an absolute beast. He's huge, too. He's massive. Uh, but this is a hungry team, man. They haven't won a game since week one, and that was a dogfight. They had that weird uh, – I can't remember the word like the dust storm that came in haboob right. <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. <laughs> that came that came <laughs> in kind of disrupted the game. It ended at like two or three a.m. in the morning our time. <coughs> oh, um, I was in London for that. Yeah, I I remember staying up and watching that game too. Yeah,
0: yeah I was up watching. I was up watching it too. It's crazy.
2: They won that game twenty four twenty one. They lost to Oklahoma State. Lost to Fresno State. Actually, got shut out against them. Had a oh, bit wait, of. Oh, wait, you're talking about this year. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking of last year. No. Um, Bounce back a bit against USC. They just lost to Cal last weekend. So, man, I just – this should be a game CU wins, but I just have a feeling that ASU is really going to fight this week because they have not had the taste of victory for a while.
0: Yeah. uh, And, uh, you know, someone in the comments that they're better than their record suggests don't overlook them. I don't think it's possible to overlook a team after you've lost two in a row. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, But – I guess I guess it is. Uh, they are better than their record. I think. Yep. Um, they've got good talent. They've got good players. They've got you know uh, a at the very least intriguing young coach that we you know w- when we both came away from watching the ASU USC film, it was like dang he dialed it up. Oh, he
2: can he yep. can drop a play. Yep.
0: So uh, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, CU has had a lot of struggles in that stadium, although. You could probably say this about any Pac-12 team. For sure, um, they struggle on all in, in all those games because they weren't good. Uh, but this one, the one, you know, this one will be big to not only get another road victory, but just get rolling, get that win back. Now you go up against Stanford. Uh, you can you have a chance to get to five and two mm-hmm. going into the bye week, Yep. and expect to be a better team out on the other side. Like. This one really is the catapult for the rest of the
2: season. For sure. Um, the line is about CU. We're favorites this week, so CU minus 4. Is that it? Um, it it's fluctuated. I've seen it as high as 5.5 or yep. 6 in some places. 5.5 is the highest. I think it might have settled down around 4, 4.5, though, just depending on where you get the line. Total around 60. The line I see is 60.5. So... We'll talk about this game a lot more moving forward, obviously. Four and a half right now at DraftKings. There you go. All right, shout out to our friends at Game Time. Guys, this weekend is going to be a prime opportunity to come watch Coach Prime and the Buffs. If you're anywhere near Phoenix or just want to make a trip to a warm weather city while we start to cool down here, uh, hit up Game Time, man. Not only do they have the best tickets for this weekend's game, but for any game, wherever you are, uh, concerts, events, all that good stuff. They're just the best. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use that code DMVR. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code DNVR for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: You can get in the stadium right now at Arizona uh, Arizona State for $93. There That's you go. That's the cheapest ticket I've seen for a CU game all year. Yep. Um. And as Brian Howell told us in the elevator, this is the first game all season that, as of now, isn't tracking to be a sellout. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good news for you if you're a consumer trying to go to this game. Uh, you can also still get tickets through us, which are actually cheaper than all of these. There you go. Um, so you can get the ticket and tailgate package from us for 140 bucks, which you know that's essentially what you're going to pay just for the ticket, uh, especially because ours are in section 17 on the first level
2: beautiful So uh, right
0: now those are over a hundred dollars uh just for the tickets plus you get it all you can eat all you can drink tailgate uh so hit us up uh we'll put the link in the description to be able to come tailgate with us at fat tuesdays which is on mill uh right down the street the tailgate starts at noon um i'm gonna i want to be down there on mill just you know Mm -hmm. bopping around even before then so uh it's gonna be a fun day
2: Section 17, end zone view. Beautiful, man.
0: I know, and I even – Love that for y'all. I even think they're – when you're in the end zone, you actually want to be higher up. Mm -hmm. You get too close, you start not knowing how far runs go for. Right. Um, So I think they're a little bit up, which
2: is nice. Uh, But good tickets, great tailgate, come hang out. Can't wait to hang out with a bunch of y'all this weekend. Let's do Questions? Also, hit us with a thumbs up. Let's try and get to 400. I'll be conservative. And subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would also appreciate your five-star review. Yeah, you guys have helped us jump into – obviously, on YouTube,
0: we, you know, we're number one in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but on podcasts, we weren't – we were actually like 10. Yeah. We got all the way up to four, and then obviously we opened PHLY. The mm-hmm. Eagles jumped us. Now, mm-hmm. therefore, we're back to five. Um, so – help us get up
2: there let's try and uh, let's try and get up to number one in that as well yes sir m c is first how is a s u stadium i've been to it once, but i'm betting you've been to it more than i have so i would call it average yes
0: <laughs> it's not it certainly isn't bad for any reason right um it's on the newer side um i think i remember they have like actual seats around mm-hmm. um so they've got some some good spots um big it's kind of cool it's like carved into a mountain yep um which is cool and then lots of space around the stadium yes uh in terms of parking lots and things like that and it and it does bump right up to mill which is like the main place where everyone hangs out so i call it an okay stadium why i don't like it is i believe it was built to be a pro stadium um or it was Uh, built for another reason and so it's too big uh and kind of like maybe the word i would say is cavernous uh for a college stadium you know my like obviously growing up in folsom i love that intimate right on top of you mm-hmm. feeling of a college stadium that you never get in the pros um so asu lacking a little bit in that area i think it has a track around the field too which is always the worst because it means you're further away yeah um
2: so it has its it's ups and downs fun stat i just found out okay Coach Prime won a Super Bowl in that stadium. Oh. Yeah. That would have been Super a good Bowl one to have 30. In the bag today. Uh the Cowboys defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 27 to 17 in that stadium. Man, see that like going to an event
0: that big at that stadium would be sick. Yeah. <clears throat> and maybe the Prime Effect, you know, gets more buffs fans in the stadium. Of course, we know it's going to do that, but also gets them, uh, you know, a few more fans out there as well just to see what's going on and we get a nice atmosphere in there. Every game I've ever been into, it, uh, been to in there is like CU is terrible, mm-hmm. and their fans don't really care. Yeah. So it's you know, it's
2: half empty. Yeah, I went for um, I can't even remember the game. What's the bowl game they play in that stadium? Do you remember what it's called? It's not the Sun Bowl. Uh, Fiesta Bowl was there for a little while. No, it's a, it was a lo- it's a lower tier one. Anyways, I saw Michigan play K State there one time and. I don't know. It was in December. It wasn't like freezing, so it was nice that it was uh, in Arizona. But yeah, average stadium I'd say. There we go. Uh, Pete, RK and Core are going to be starting safeties with Slusher coming back this week. I'd say Shiloh is more of a lock to come back than Slusher at this point. From what we heard today.
0: Yeah, I don't think Slush is coming back if I were to just guess. Um, It would be nice to see him out there, but I would still say it's going to be Shiloh and Trevor. um, And then that you know, if Slush is back, he'll kind of play in that third spot, rotating in with uh with Cam.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we were talking about this in the car, man. Safeties, we knew they were deep coming into the season, but uh, they've proven they can play. Rod has proved he could play. Obviously, Slush has proved he could play as well. I would probably say the same thing. It's probably Shiloh, Woods, and then um, Cam. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rod rotating in at all as well. I like this next one.
0: Love to hear RK rank his top five Colorado head coaches in the post-national <laughs> title era. <clears throat> All right. So let's just get the names out first. Uh, Rick Neuheisel, Gary Barnett, Dan Hawkins, John Embry, Mike McIntyre, Mel Tucker, Carl Durrell, Coach Prime. All right. It's going to get hard at the bottom of this. <laughs> well, we know who's won. Coach Prime, number one. Yep. Gary Barnett, number two. Mm-hmm. Mike McIntyre, number three. I mean, <laughs> I have to separate what we now know. Yes, of course. Uh, and probably put Mel Tucker number four. Ooh. Um, just, you know, I got to be honest. Uh, I didn't. Newheisel is kind of, like I don't really know anything about New New Heisel other than he left for the Washington job.
2: Had a seventy percent win percentage though. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say he might have to be in there in terms of success. Um but for me, uh I'm gonna since this is my list, mm-hmm. I'm putting John Embry number five, even though he probably has the worst winning percentage yep. of anyone. <laughs> Um, because he was the first coach I ever covered. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was a kid, dude. Yeah. I walked in there at like 18, <laughs> and bushy tail. Yeah. And, and <laughs> like, I remember the first day I came in with like a notebook with all the questions I wanted <laughs> to ask written down on there. I mean, not only was I young, but like I had no guidance. Yeah. Um, I was hired by this guy who didn't even live in Colorado and was like running this site that was actually like making money, but mm-hmm. he was doing it remotely and he was just like, Hey, like go cover the team. And yeah. I was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> He's like, I'll give you like a couple hundred bucks a month. I'm like, great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and I showed up having no fucking clue what I was doing. And John Embry was so gracious to me and just like treated me like an adult. Uh, and you know, was even like, not really nice to me off to the side and Mm -hmm. gave me some tips and things like that so uh he uh i'll always uh always respect john embry who is to this day one of the best tight end coaches in the nfl i was gonna ask
2: do you know where he is now
0: miami yep yep i saw him on the sidelines when they were cooking the broncos everywhere he goes (laughs) dude their their tight ends are good now i guess um Miami isn't using it that much, but like mm-hmm. he was like the he's coach with the Browns when that ran like Gary Brundage or something, like oh, became a pro Gary boy. Barnage, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, he he just goes around like he's coached George Kittle, yep, um,
2: Niners 17 to 21,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. uh, so uh, I, I got love for John Embry for sure, um, uh, that staff was was <laughs> was fun to cover at the very least, um. And, yeah, I'm, I'm separating everything that happened with Mel Tucker uh, afterwards, Obviously, including the way right. he left. Yeah. But just in terms of being a coach, yeah, dude, we were, like, the prime effect is on a whole other level, but we were turned up about Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. Like, there is this game uh, against ASU. This is the last time they won at ASU. Um, and Mel wore shorts on the sideline. It's Like, <laughs> when have you ever seen that? Never. <laughs> and – then they won, and so like, we're, like, losing our minds, like, damn, like, he just walked out there in shorts, didn't give a shit, yeah. uh, coached them to a win, like, we were we were hype about Mel, uh, which is why there's so much hate for him now, right. even before, you know, the mess that he just got himself into, uh, was because, you know, everyone was really excited and then got really hurt, which is why, circling it back around to a topic from the first segment, when Coach Prime was hired, I was like, I'm not doing that ever again, yeah. like, first of all, if he does leave when he does leave i'm sure it will be with a lot more dignity mm-hmm. um but i was like i'm not gonna do this like i'm just gonna be thankful and grateful for whatever we get because we were about to die
2: yep yeah it was uh pretty funny yesterday was the one year anniversary of carl durell being fired and just going back and watching that show and one year one year bro <laughs> and then i looked. we were at right the, in here yep i looked at our show from the next the next
0: week. So we did the the emergency show that got like one point one thousand views. was a right. lot for us back then, For sure. It was, um, the show, the, the show, the very next week got 285 viewers, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, we have over uh, almost a hundred more likes than that. Right. Yep. now. Um, it got five likes, <laughs> five thumbs up, uh, and
2: three of them were probably
0: us. <laughs> and I was watching like the whole first segment. There were zero people in the chat. the yep.
2: whole time. So, uh, crazy how what can change in a year's time it's wild uh robert should the buffs look to make additional subs on both lines to see what others can do uh offensively i don't know who else you'd really plug in there i'll say this anything anything
0: to generate a better pass rush Mm -hmm. um you know maybe tajay mccoy deserves a look sure um we're seeing freshmen walk onto the field and make an impact, you know, all over the place right now. So maybe a freshman can make an impact there. But um, that was a tough thing about that game is just they didn't even really put Caleb in positions to have to go make plays with his feet because he was just standing in there. Like the one that he did make, obviously to Taj Washington – was like he had already been back there throwing. for about five seconds before he even started to scramble. Yeah. Um, and I felt like looking back, he was just flexing that he could make that throw <laughs> because he had plenty of time to just set his feet and throw it to him when he was wide open after just running around for five seconds. But that was an unreal throw. Um, they have to rush the passer better, especially yep. this week against a less mobile guy than they faced the last couple of weeks.
2: Well, and I guess just to go back to the last segment, talking about takeaways from the film, they were using that corner blitz a lot, and I think it was the s- first Brendan Rice touchdown. Cormani's blitzing, and he gets his hands up, and Caleb barely like misses his hand. Like he Cormani could have had a PBU at the line there, um, and then of course Cormani blitz, so no one's really covering Brendan Rice. It's a safety over the top, yeah. he ends up running in. But I mean, we saw Marion Cooper with the sack. Um, they were. Getting pretty exotic in their looks in terms of blitzing Caleb. So I think that Coach Kelly is really starting to get into his bag and is getting really adventurous in terms of how they're going to try and pressure the quarterback. Because as you said, there's no edge presence.
0: When you watch the slow-mo of Omar and Cooper's sack, it is remarkable that it's Caleb crazy. Williams held on to the ball. I don't yeah. I don't know how he did. Like You even see the ball loose, and mm-hmm. one of his arms is pinned. To His chest, so it's like yeah. he somehow like it fell out and he somehow was able to grab it with his left hand. Yeah, it's crazy. It,
2: it almost th- honestly looked like he gripped the ball against Omarion's helmet, yeah. really. Yeah, and that's how he held Good on, on him, to it, I guess. Uh, David's asking, Who is AC running out of QB with all their injuries to Drew Pine? Sounds like it's gonna be Trenton Borgay. So, did he come out of that last game healthy though? I think so. Okay, I was talking to Toetry. he said he thinks it's gonna be Borgay. Okay, though, so. makes sense. Eric, doing a tailgate at UCLA
0: at the Rose Bowl. (coughs) We are looking into it. Um, Still got a few weeks here, obviously. Uh, So we will let you know. I'm hoping so, though. Um, The Rose Bowl is a little different, very different from, like, what we're going to at ASU this Mm -hmm. week because ASU is just, like, right in the mix. Yep. Rose Bowl is kind of secluded, which makes it a little harder for us. Uh, But I would say uh, there's a decent chance that we'll be doing a tailgate
2: there. There you go. Uh, final question from Garen. What bowl game would you like to see to play in an opponent? So I'm trying to find here the Pac-12 Bowl tie-ins. It's kind of – oh, here we go. Okay, so you've got the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl.
0: Versus the Mountain West team. We'll pass on that one. Uh, the Radiance Technologies <laughs> Independence Bowl. Versus the Big 12 team. Uh, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Against the ACC. <laughs> The SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Ding, ding, ding. Versus the SEC. Uh, The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl.
2: Versus the ACC. (laughs) Or the Valero Alamo Bowl. That's another big 12.
0: Uh, So, obviously, you'll just go for the best one, right? Um, CU fans are uh, a little bit scarred from the Alamo Bowl. Because (laughs) last two times we've been there, we got blown out. But it would be fun. Obviously, it's a new day. Stop being scared of what happened yesterday. Um it would be fun to go up against another Big Twelve team, right? Yeah, for sure. You like get a rematch with TCU or you yeah. go up against one of these new teams that you're gonna play, like Oklahoma State again. Mm-hmm. Um and then if it's not that, give me the Vegas bowl. Absolutely. We'll <laughs>
2: and it's against an SEC team. <laughs> now that would be fun. Probably like a lower tier mm-hmm. SEC team. Um is the Sun Bowl or Holiday Bowl held in more like regard? Whichever one gives I think us a these better are in order of okay. their importance. So then the the Sun Bowl. If somehow FSU slips up <laughs> late in the year, I don't want. That. You well, don't want it. I mean, y- it'd be
0: fun. <laughs> it would be fun. It would be fun. Uh, I can't say I don't want it, but FSU is nasty. Uh,
2: the Vegas Bowl, obviously, because of Vegas. But if you go up against an SEC team and you prove that Colorado can compete and beat an SEC team already this year, man. The middle. And bottom of the SEC is not that good this year. No, no.
0: Um, we saw, I think they were like 5-12 and 12 or something in Power 5 non-conference mm-hmm. games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, being in a bowl game at all will be a blessing. Oh, for sure. Um, and I, I absolutely believe that's where this is headed. But... Um, you know, I'll be if they go to the L.A. Bowl. Cool, we're, sure. we're back in L.A. Uh, someone mentioned that that San Diego Bowl is in Petco Park, which is pretty cool. San Diego. Oh, okay. um,
2: Yeah, I love San Diego. So, yeah. Uh, SEC, obviously, Georgia's number one. Kentucky's undefeated. Mizzou's undefeated. Tennessee is four and one after taking that loss to Florida. Bama's course four and one. Uh, they're facing off with A and M this weekend, who is also four and one. LSU just took a hard loss to Ole Miss. Who's also four and one? LSU's three and two. So I don't know. Maybe a matchup against someone. I don't know. Say Mississippi State, South Carolina, potentially. Thank you. Goodness. <laughs> All right. That's it. I think um, we're gonna have another guest tomorrow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember who <laughs> no. we spoke to him today? <laughs>
0: Oh, yes. That doesn't count as a guess.
2: (laughs) Neely will be back tomorrow. We'll be hanging out with him. Um,
0: Catherine was taking care of him. Yeah.
2: They're out of here. All right, guys. Uh, Shout out to you, chat. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Hope you all enjoyed the the interview with RJ. Shout out to RJ as well.
0: Huge, huge thank you to him for coming on. Uh, And I meant to ask him. Um, my brain got a little scrambled as we were kind of mm-hmm. all scrambling. A lot of movement. Yeah. Um, I meant to ask him, like, are you coming out for a game? Because it would be cool to uh, mm. have him to the bar. Absolutely. We'll circle back with him.
2: I'm sure uh, that's not the last time we'll th- get to talk to him. So. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's go Buffs. Go Buffs.